What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's up, players? This is the Talk of Champions franchise player always boss player forever welcome into another edition of franchise player crossover podcast the old miss spirit on three and inside the rebels 247 i'm ben garrett at spirit been on twitter and he's david johnson at rebels 247 old miss is one and oh almost got to commit at 4.30 in the morning on Tuesday. There's stuff yeah, how happening. About that? Yeah, hey, buddy. Good, man. Uh, yeah, 4.30 in the morning. I, you know, I told somebody on our board, I've been doing this a long time. I've never had a 4.30 a.m. commitment before. 4.30 Oxford time. Granted, this kid's in the Eastern time zone, Skylar Mann. It was 5.30 his time, but what an odd time to make a commitment. Uh, very, very strange. Um, but we got the story. We had it up and, um, here we go. Yeah. Four 30, four 30 in the morning. We've had commitments for Ole Miss on Christmas day, Carlton Martin. We've had birthdays or commitment on the birthdays of their mother, just different days, but never really four 30 in the morning. I'll be honest. I really didn't have him on my radar to commit today at four 30 in the morning. Yeah, not at 4.30 in the morning. I had him on the radar to commit. I'd already crystal balled into Ole Miss. I figured this trip might get it done. I was thinking maybe Sunday night or anytime during the Monday Labor Day holiday. Um, but, you, you know, maybe he slept on it, got up, light bulb went off in his head. Anyway, 4.30 in the morning. We're glad to have Skyler Mann in the commitment class, three-star linebacker, again, out of the Peach State. Uh He's one of those kids I think that's underrated, uh, at least under underrated as far as a, our two four seven system goes. Um, I think he could easily be a four star. Uh, this kid's a baller. Reminds me a lot of Demarcus Gates a little bit, a little bit, you know, around there. Hmm. Uh, without the injury history. Well. Very few had the in- injury history of Demarcus Gates, David. Uh, no kidding. He's the 11th commitment for Ole Miss in the 2023 class. He visited Ole Miss over the weekend. Who else was in town, did we confirm? Yeah, well, you had Jamarion Harkless, who is the yeah. big uh, 
big defensive lineman from Lexington, Kentucky. I don't expect Harkless to make a commitment right now just because, and I, I hope I'm saying that right, it may be Harkles, uh, but um, just because he's, he's taken a visit to Auburn, his official is there on this weekend. Um, you know, and then the, uh, the only other official visitor we have was Skylar Mann. Now, coming up this weekend for the Central Arkansas game, look at who Ole Miss is playing. Uh, it's a night game. Uh, th there are not going to be a lot of high-value targets inside the vault this weekend. There will be some. But, um, you know, a couple of big visitors coming. you got to start with Walker White, the quarterback, out of Little Rock Christian. Uh, he'll be kind of on a two-fold visit, if you will, because his brother, John David – is a starting wide receiver for UCA. So he'll be there watching his brother. He has another brother that plays baseball for the Razorbacks. And then his dad played golf at Arkansas. Um, it, it's going to be a tough job to get him out of the state of Arkansas. We know Arkansas generally lands what they want to inside uh, the natural state. But Walker White's a little bit different. This will be his fourth trip to Ole Miss in the past five months, five months. He was on campus just six weeks ago uh, for the uh, Juice Fest thing. Man, it's hard to believe that's been six weeks ago already. I know. But uh, but he was here for that. Uh, he was at Arkansas for the Cincinnati game last weekend. Uh, so he's obviously listening to the Hogs. He, uh, his Little Rock Christian team played Bentonville Friday night. And uh, Walker's out there playing ball, looks over to the sidelines, and who's there watching him play? None other than Sam Pittman. So uh, he drives over to Fayetteville the next morning, attends the Arkansas-Cincinnati game, coming back to Ole Miss. He has told me this won't be his only trip to Ole Miss this season. He's coming back for another game. It'll probably be one of those, uh, you know, Ole Miss-Alabama is probably when you 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 might expect him back over here, um, but he's intrigued with Charlie Weist. He's intrigued with Lane Kiffin. He likes Ole Miss. Honestly, Little Rock's closer to Oxford, I think, than it's closer to Fayetteville by hair. So uh, we'll see what happens. You got to defeat the Arkansas history, but brother John David White, who plays for UCA, walked on at Arkansas and then uh, transferred to Central Arkansas. I don't think there's any bad blood there or anything, but uh, just something you might want to note. Walker White will be in the house Saturday. If all things were equal, if he was Walker White from Idaho, I think he'd be a Ole Miss heavy lean, but he's, you know, an Arkansas legacy. Yeah, and I, and I still think he might be an Ole Miss lean, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I know he loves this program. Look, you don't make it regardless of how close Little Rock is. Four trips in five months. Yeah, he he's been here. He's he's putting in the time with his staff. He likes Oxford, um, and you know what? I I just I just have a different feeling about this guy. Um, I I know he is Ole Miss's number one quarterback target in the twenty four class. So if they get him, they're, they're going to be extremely happy. Four-star prospect. We've got him as number 12 quarterback in the nation. He is the number one player in the state of Arkansas for the 2024 class. Um, and like I said, uh, hopefully his 
his older brother has a good game against the Rebels and a 50 to 10 loss. Um, <laughs> you know, that would probably make Walker White's visit sweet. Well, but, with, uh, with, where, with where this offense is, Ole Miss, right now, I don't think it's going to be that bad. You don't think they'll score 50 on UCA? I didn't think they'd only score 28 against Troy, including one uh, yeah, in the second half. I, did. I didn't either. I had that game being 41 to 20. Uh, Rebels didn't even cover the spread. In that they didn't game. cover the spread. Troy had a good defense. I mean, comparatively for the Sun Belt, it's a really good defense. They got some good players. A couple of players will probably make NFL rosters at some point, but like 28 to 10 in one touchdown yeah. in the second half. Yeah. And you look at the stat line, their quarterback, he had a good stat line, but partially because Troy really couldn't run the football and Ole Miss knew it. And they, they kind of played a soft zone. So they gave him underneath stuff, no big plays. Um, you know, and it, it's hard to compare game, uh, this game to, what you're facing Saturday. This is not a good Central Arkansas team. They lost to Missouri State 27-14 to 14 in their opener. Um, Missouri State is uh, – they're an FCS team. So, it is what it is, Ben. Um, the, the, the interesting thing going into this weekend one, – one more note on recruiting, and then let's hop into this weekend. Isaiah Autry's coming back. He's the big four-star offensive lineman. Now playing at Itawamba AHS. And uh, look, Isaiah's got ties all over the place. Uh, his mother won two national titles, playing for Pat Summit and the Lady Vols at Tennessee. His second cousin is Marcus Dupree. Uh, Passion, his mother, and Marcus are first cousins. And uh, so Tennessee has watched his early film this year, and they're on him now. They're calling him like crazy. They haven't offered him yet, but they're on the phone with him trying to get him back to Knoxville. Uh, if Tennessee offers, I, I think that's a potential problem for Ole Miss. Um, but, again, they haven't offered yet. Oklahoma is also interested. They want to get him out there for a visit. He says he's probably going to both schools for a visit this, this fall. And then Florida State's in it, too. With all that said, I think Ole Miss leads for him. And, uh, you know, they're living over in Fulton. Uh, I think mom would like to keep him close to home, but mom would probably also like to see him playing in Tennessee Orange. Um, we'll see how that develops. But in any event, he went to Mississippi State this past weekend on a visit. Um, they had weather issues down there. Five minutes into the game, there was, what, a two-hour delay, two-and-a-half-hour delay. And um, he said the visit was okay, but when the weather delay happened, he got in the car and went home. And uh, Isaiah Autry will be at Ole Miss this weekend. So now, moving on. <laughs> well, Ole Miss has, according to um, On3, the 20th-ranked class in the country, eighth in the SEC right now. An overall class score of 89.05. The previous score was 87.40. What do you think about the class they're building early on? Do you like it better than where they were last year? Yeah, I think they're they're in more control of things this year. Last year, it was like, holy crap, we've got to hit this portal hard and we've got to get some kids in here. This year, you know, I, I think they've got a year of this transfer portal stuff under their belt. And I, I think they're recruiting specifically 
for A, development, B, for immediate needs. There'll be a lot more portal action in December and January. We all know that. It won't be as many this year, um, but I do think uh, you're going to see, you know, Ole Miss get as many as 10, 11 players from the portal. I could see that happening. Well, they have one quarterback committed. We know that. Marcel Reed, a four-star. Do we think they're going to add another quarterback at any point for this class, transfer or otherwise? I, I, I think if they do, I, I think it's too early to answer that question just because, you know, they have to wait and see after this season who's going to go in the portal, who's not going to go in the portal. I mean, worst-case scenario, they could lose potentially two quarterbacks in the portal. Mm-hmm. potentially uh best case they don't lose any but we all know that's the likelihood of that happening is slim to none so um i, I just think it's too early I, if they need a portal quarterback they're going to go and try to get one but again you're going to have a starter cemented in here that's going to have a season under his belt that's not going anywhere and you're going into the portal trying to find a guy to come in essentially to be that guy's backup if two quarterbacks were to leave. Um, And, you know, the worst case scenario is you don't get anybody from the portal. You don't sign another high school kid, two quarterbacks leave, and Marcel Reed, a true freshman, is your backup next year. No, you just go to fraternity row and find the next guy. Yeah, get the next beer-bellied quarterback. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, I wonder if I have any eligibility left. Well, you, you could play quarterback for the Rebels. Well, no, but they uh, could but slap 69 on me, and I could just hand the ball off. Slap 69 on you, and you could hand the ball off. <laughs> number 69, and you're, and you're number one in your hearts, number 69 on your roster, Ben Garrett, uh, walk-on quarterback. All he does is hand the ball off. Stack the box because it ain't going anywhere. Could you actually uh, hand the ball off fast enough? Could you be be fast enough? Oof. Maybe on the first one, but I feel like I'd get winded really quick. Yeah, because they like run a play every four yeah. seconds or so. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's a play. I'd be tapping I, my helmet. I'd be tapping my helmet after like a play and a half. All right, guys, need a breather. Yeah, yeah. be tough. I'd be tapping mine like uh, as soon as I ran on the field. Um, but to answer that question, we just don't know, man. I mean. It is too early to know what they're going to do um, because it's going to get done to them before they know what they can do, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because one of their – whichever quarterback. Because Lane Kiffin is sticking to the plan. He started Jackson Dart against um, Troy, and now he'll start Luke Altmaier against Central Arkansas. Does that mean that Kincaid Dent's going to start against Georgia Tech? I'm playing. I'm playing. But, yeah, we're we're sticking to the plan here. I wonder – I thought it was interesting he said it Monday that he originally wanted to get Luke Altmaier into the game earlier against Troy. But, yeah. yeah, the last series was supposed to be the series in which Jackson Dart threw the red zone interception where he stared, stared down his primary and led the safety to an interception in the end zone. J.J. Henry had a step. It would have been a great completion. It would have been a tough throw, but that's what – that's a this level throw now. I mean, you're in the SEC. That's the throw you got to make. Um, he didn't make it. It was intercepted, and he didn't want to take him out for his last play to be an interception, so he went back in for a series. That ate into Luke's because Luke Almar didn't show up until the 12-minute mark of the fourth quarter. So now, I, I, yeah, while Luke will go first, I, I feel like Jackson will come in a little bit early. It'll look 
a little bit more even than it did in the first week. Yeah, and I, I think Jackson will be able to come in a little bit more earlier, probably early in the third quarter would be my guess, just because uh, – yeah, you know, this old really Miss, bad. <laughs> yeah, this Ole Miss football team understands it kind of underperformed Saturday. And I think you're going to find a mean bunch of rebels going out there against Central Arkansas. And, um, you know, they want more than the win. They want a convincing win. Uh, you know, the whole, uh, okay, Jackson Dart played against Troy, which we know they've got a great Sunbelt defense. Luke Altmyer's playing against Central Arkansas. How do you think that factors in the opponent? Or does it factor at all? Is it just know. about – mechanics and and what you do well and the reads you make or is or is there a factorization of the opponent i think it's all about is the ball going where it's supposed to go because a lot of the time there's just misses by jackson dart in the opener to where i'm not just talking about like the first pass to jonathan mingo where mingo had a step and that would have been a big gainer there were time and time again where he he just kind of locked into his primary i think it's more about can you go out there and effectively run the offense and make your reads and go through your progressions and make the right throw. Cause I think they charted that way. They graded that way. Was that the right throw? Or was it the wrong throw? And I yeah, think it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. doesn't matter what well, the final stats are. I don't care about the final stats. Just tell me which one of them ran it most effectively. But at the end of the day, it's still central Arkansas comparatively to Troy. So you go into Georgia tech and you still haven't really learned anything. I'm not questioning Lane Kiffin. I, I get totally what he's doing. I just don't know if we're really going to have an answer after this one because Luke gets his, you know, three quarters or whatever it is. I don't know if we're going to still – I doubt yeah. it. It's, I seriously doubt after all this time, um, months, the spring, the summer, fall camp, the first game, now the second game, then that's all we needed, one one game apiece, and, and you're going to have a decision by Georgia Tech. I, I very seriously doubt that that's the case. So I don't know when the resolution truly comes, if it ever – truly comes and if it never truly comes well that changes the complete outlook in my mind on Ole Miss in 2022 yeah and and and, you know everything Lane Kiffin does is intentional we've agreed on that um so whatever it is going on with the quarterbacks and if you listen to Lane and you 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 trust what Lane's saying he just hasn't come to a conclusion which one is best for this team yet um you know, I honestly don't know what's going on. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, if you take it at face value, they don't know whether they want Jackson Dart out there, sometimes willy-nilly throwing the ball. Sometimes Jackson's passes don't go where he wants them to go. Um, or if they want Luke Altmeyer, who doesn't, I believe, have the higher ceiling of the two. I think that belongs – to Jackson Dart, uh, you know, kind of managing an offense full of weapons. Um, but I will say this, though. Ole Miss receivers have to do a better job of creating some separation. You know, there wasn't a ton of separation they created against Troy. And, you know, there wasn't a ton of separation they created against their own DBs during fall camp. And which you know, we just attributed to, to that. Okay. Yeah, which we just which attributed they, to that secondary being really good. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And the secondary is really good. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the Troy quarterback's performance and all that mess because, again, they were playing some soft, soft zone. 
Um, you know, or was it the wide receivers are good, but the secondary is really good, or vice versa? The bottom line, I expect to see some separation created this weekend against the UC, the back end of the UCA defense. Uh, you know, that helps everybody. I think that helps everybody there, whatever, whoever's playing quarterback. Um, so, you know, here we have it. We've, you know, we're, we're, we're heading into week two. We don't know. We don't and, know. Um, you know, I watched Georgia Tech play last night. I think we best know before we go to Atlanta. Um, I wouldn't want to risk it. And, and I'm sure Lane doesn't either risk a game against a power five opponent. I watched Georgia Tech play last night. Look, they hung with Clemson for a little while. Clemson two and a half quarter. Yeah, they may, but they're ranked number four in the country. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, I mean, as far as the game goes this weekend, it, it's going to be a lot like the Troy game. It's going to be like watching paint dry. You're just going to be going, okay, <laughs> let's get this thing over with. Uh, but as far as the quarterback situation goes, it's intriguing. You know, I, I'm and, just and, wondering and, if we still feel this way had Jackson Dark connected on even just two of those long passes, just two of them, of the eight. That well, I think I think there's a little bit more uproar if Jackson had thrown for three touchdown passes and you know 230 yards about the quarterback situation going into Troy. But as Lane pointed out, they decided it. Lane, Jackson, Luke all sat down. They knew what the deal was going into the Troy game. So, yeah, I think there'd be a little disgruntledness about, hey, Jackson needs a reps, let's go, let's go. But because he didn't have a spectacular performance against Troy, uh, you know, people are just kind of grinning and taking it and going, okay, let's, let, let's see what Luke can do. What does Luke need to do Saturday mm -hmm. night to get in the conversation, to stay in the conversation, to make it a very hard decision on lane for the Georgia Tech game. What does he need to do? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to act like I know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – I said know, this in the post-game pod with Bradley. I'm like, I get now why they really tried to chase every avenue as hard as they could. They almost got Spencer, Spencer Rattler on campus. They got Dylan Gabriel on campus, but Jeff Levy, which was the connect to Dylan Gabriel, formerly both of them from Central Florida, he goes to Oklahoma, so Dylan Gabriel follows him there. Caleb Williams, they were in that. They called and talked. Like Lane personally talked to Caleb and his family, specifically his dad. But and Keaton Slovis, you can maybe make a case for because he has starter experience, or he did at USC, and he played well in Pitts opener. I don't ever think that Keaton Slovis was ever really an option for Ole Miss. And once you get after, once you get past Keaton, there's not any other player that fits that criteria. But I get now why Ole Miss was outside of the obvious. These are the best players at the position in the portal, and Ole Miss wanted an instant impact player from the portal. But I get now why they went big game hunting. Cause if you look around, the quarterbacks are in a developmental stage. The rest of the roster is in a championship contending window stage. And that's unfortunate. Because if you could just have perfectly aligned it in an ideal world, this could have been – or not saying, it, not saying it can't be. I don't I want to change that. Not saying it can't be. Um, but you would go, oh, yeah, there's no doubt this is going to be a special year. Just what can they do? What can't they do, quite frankly? And right now you're just having to be patient 
and I feel like Ole Miss doesn't have a roster that um, wants to be patient, if that makes sense. Fortunately, they have the schedule, which allows them this, which provides them this luxury, but the quarterbacks are in a different stage than the overall roster because the overall roster, the quarterbacks are talented. They're just not there with everybody else that have played and are ready to go win now. Yeah, and, and let me ask you this now, I, I, and I'm being serious. I, I mean, does Lane Kiffin – can he afford to look ahead to the 23 season and go, well, I could start Altmaier this year and I probably need to because he can manage the game. But looking ahead to the 23 season, man, if I've got Jackson Dart coming back off a year of starting games, oh, my God, he could really be tremendous in 23, even better than Altmaier. I mean, does he allow himself to glimpse ahead to that? Why is Luke Altmaier safer? I don't get that. Why, why is there the belief or your belief that he's safer than Jackson Dart? I know Jackson well, Dart turns the ball just from over. What we, well, yeah, from what we've seen in practices all spring, all fall camp, uh, you know, Luke Luke is more careful with the football, maybe even too careful. Well, too careful because then wouldn't defenses scheme for that, force him to throw the ball down? Because it's not like Ole Miss is so good yeah, that it can do yeah, the Alabama yeah. thing and just hand the ball to Derrick Henry and Mark Ingram and whoever else, T.J. Yeldon. Exactly. Exactly. Well, they but could because I think Zach Evans is awesome, and I think Quinshawn Judkins is awesome, and I think Ulysses Bentley well, is great. Bentley could be awesome too. He only got two carries Saturday, but but you know, getting back to Jackson, um, you can win a game with Jackson. There's no doubt. You can beat an SEC opponent with Jackson, but you can lose to an SEC opponent with Jackson. Well, you can do that, that with Luke too, playing. I same can no. be said, yes, I agree. Conservatively. I just feel like Jackson has the potential to go win you a game, put it on his arm and go do it, but you can't stare down your primary and lead the safety because if you don't lead the safety, right. if you look him off, you're scoring a touchdown to J.J. Henry. Well, and what did Lane say about that? He underthrew it. Bad, bad feet, same thing he's been doing since he got here. He said that. It's the same problem. And, you know, I mean, does it end? Can you wish it away? I don't know. I don't know. Have no idea. I don't know what you do. What does it say, though, about Kincaid Dent that he can't get a look here <laughs> with two guys who aren't separating from each other? Well, you know, I, I, I don't know what it says because, you know, Kincaid has had a – he had a great spring. He had a great fall count. Um, yeah, oh, I just you know, hear it all the time. Or maybe here it's a little too strong. We're very online people. We're always having to be plugged in online. Our message boards, Twitter, Facebook, you name it, where we have to distribute our work. And so you always see the comments. And I feel like after that first game and then Lane um, discussing sticking with the plan of starting Luke against Central Arkansas, there are far too many, is the best way to phrase it, far too many Ole Miss fans in the mentions on the message board going, hey, why not Kincaid did and I yeah. get it from a fan's perspective because they only see uh, small glimpses like the scrimmage. And Kincaid does throw a pretty deep ball. I'm just – I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of the quarterbacks other than it's unfortunate and kind of worrisome that it's no clearer today than it was even in the spring, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's really not. I mean, again, Jackson makes a start. Luke's going to make a start. Um, and nothing will change. 
I, I really, well, something's got to change. One of the others got to start against Georgia Tech. Um, and you don't go into that ball game planning on playing two quarterbacks. You just don't. Well, well here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. What if you go with the hot hand one, two, three, and you work out against Georgia Tech and go with the other one? Okay. What if the plan, you still come out with a win, is to give each one of them two starts before Kentucky? Yeah, it could very well be. But uh, I'm going to tell you, playing around with the quarterback position against Georgia Tech and Tulsa, because Tulsa is going to be the best non-conference opponent Ole Miss plays this year. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. It doesn't matter what you say. As long as it's five stars, this podcast can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. When's the last time you thought about retirement? What about saving for your kid's college? In these crazy economic times, working with a professional is of the utmost importance. And that's where my friend Thomas Chandler comes in. Thomas is a financial planner with Capital Financial Group, and he wants to help you make the right decisions for your financial future. So give him a call today at 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. And tell him that Ben sent you for a no-cost consultation and get started toward financial independence today with Thomas Chandler of Capital Financial Group. Your Ole Miss baseball rebels are national champions. Yes, that really happened. Your eyes did not deceive you. And what better way to celebrate since we all spent way too much money getting to and back home from Omaha than with a new car. Well, the only place to buy a car in Oxford, Mississippi is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is they aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. They'll get you in the car you want at a price point that you can afford. Give them a call today, 662-234-8000. Ask Brian or Mason to tell them to Talk of Champions sent you because now Talk of Champions actually makes sense. Ole Miss Baseball won a national championship and they'll get you in your dream car with your Ole Miss Omaha Magnet planted right there on the driver's side door. They're located at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Contact them today, 662-234-8000. That's Alan Samuels, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of the national champion. Talk of Champions podcast. BNA Bank is celebrating 125 years of local banking. For generations, BNA Bank has been a stable fixture in Northeast Mississippi, supporting and investing in our local small businesses, local schools, local community events, local charities, and so much more. At BNA Bank, we believe in our local communities, businesses, and organizations because we are a local business, too. Thank you for choosing to bank local with BNA Bank. As the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams prepare to kick off the NFL regular season, now is the time to prepare for your winning season at MyBookie. Whether you're a veteran, better, or a first-timer, MyBookie gets you the most for your money with a double deposit bonus. It's quick and easy. A $250 deposit puts $500 in your account, and you can use your funds to bet instantly on as many games, contests, and props as you want. 
To claim your bonus, register today and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions. TOC, designed to add more excitement to the games and sports you love. Bet on team win totals, predict the Super Bowl winner, or use the MyBookie prop builder and secure the bag. Your winning season begins today, exclusively at MyBookie. The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. You're going to have to figure it out one way or the other anyway. So, yeah, you can – well, you can do this against Central Arkansas and Troy. Well, you can do this against Georgia Tech and um, Tulsa too because let's just say that, you, all right, you stick with Jackson Dart. Well, if he goes out there and struggles, you're in the same position anyway. Right? I mean, what what you incrementally increase your chances of being upset by one of those two teams? If Ole Miss is every well, bit as good as we think it is, it won't be pretty. They'll still win. If wins, which they are, are the only thing anybody should be truly concerned about right now, as Ole Miss developmentally at quarterback is trying to figure it out for a championship-caliber roster. When I say championship, I'm not talking about beating Alabama or Georgia in a national championship. I'm talking about getting to Atlanta. They're in that kind of championship contending window, except for the quarterbacks. Maybe you are afforded that luxury, at least then with two opponents that more directly align with the competition you'll be facing the rest of the year. Now the plan makes a little bit more sense. You're going to be taking – it's risky. You're going to be taking some chances you wouldn't necessarily want to be making. This is not ideal, as Lane Kiffin said on Monday. But at least you'll have a better idea in which to make an educated uh, choice or decision based on what you're and Lane appears to be genuinely struggling with this decision. And one of the things he said yesterday, he said, you know, ultimately we've got to make a decision. He said, and, you know, people have been doing this forever and people make wrong decisions. That happens. And uh, so, like, whenever he decides, could not be final. I mean, he le- he's leaving cracks and, and crevices to uh, – to play either one of them. Yeah, if he picks Jackson Dart, you know, because he showed a little bit better in red zone or something like that. I don't know. Whatever is the demerits on his resume right now, same thing 
with Luke Altmaier. Maybe Jackson Dart ekes out as far as those demerits to where he's the starter moving forward. If he goes out there and sucks against Kentucky, this is not the same situation as Matt Corral with John Rice Plumley backing, backing him up. And we'll say what you want to about John Rice Plumley. I hope he has tremendous success at Central Florida. But Ole Miss fans, drop, drop that. Just drop any thought of, well, John Rice Plumley did this. He was never going to start at quarterback for Lane Kiffin. He does not fit what they do. Now, you can have issues with that all you want, but that's just the fact of the matter. He was never going to be Lane Kiffin's quarterback. So Matt Corral was never going to be truly pulled because there was no viable guy behind him. But if Jackson Dart goes into Kentucky, he's been named the starter. They both got two starts, um, easier competition, more quality competition. They're still 4-0 as Ole Miss. Wins are all that matter. But Jackson Dart goes in there and sucks against Kentucky. You don't think he's going to go to Luke Allmire if he wants to? Of course he is. Of course. 100%. 100%. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but to me, Saturday night's game, you know – Y'all come it's out. It's the Luke Altmaier game. That's what it is. But, yeah, it, it's it's all about the quarterback play. That's it. Um, you know, it's not about competition. Ole Miss is going to stump a mud hole in their ass. But, yeah, I mean, it's true. But That's it, how you, you know, really feel there, David. Well, well, I mean, Zach Evans is going to run for 200. Quinchon Judkins, he'll, he'll tally 150. Ulysses Bentley will get 75, catch a 30-yard touchdown pass. Predict uh, the mean, final stats for both quarterbacks. Oh, man. Okay. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think Luke Altmaier is going to be 20 for – this is bullshit, by the way, that you're asking me to do this, but I'm going to play I'll do along. it. All right, fine. I'll do it. Luke Altmaier will be 12 of 18 for 166 yards, two touchdowns and interceptions. Jackson Dart will be four of seven for 64 yards and a touchdown. No, I think you're shortchanging both quarterbacks against this uh, Central Arkansas defense. Um, I know, but I still, with Troy's defense being good for the Sun Belt, if you'd have told me Ole Miss's starting quarterback would only throw for 154 or whatever it was, 150-something. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, and they were intentionally – they intentionally abandoned the run game in the right? second half. Yeah. To throw the football. Yes. And uh, Lane Kiffin admitted in a press conference. That yeah. in the second half, and if they were playing, if they're up twenty-eight to three against Mississippi State, they would have fed Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins and maybe Ulysses Bentley, maybe some control Bullock, until their tongues were hanging out of their mouths from exhaustion. Instead, you're playing Troy. The final outcome is decided by early third quarter. Hey, Jackson Dart has struggled throwing the ball. Let's pass it. And even with an offense that was effectively, it's. Uh, Game game situation seven on seven, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, you know, it, it was kind of the reverse of what normally happens with Ole Miss football. You know, generally, you know, the Rebels will blow somebody out in the first half by throwing the football, <laughs> and then they'll they'll just you know pound and ground in the second half. This was pound and ground first, then throw the football, and and like you said, I mean, it was a hundred and fifty something yard performance. Uh, and then, you know, what you saw of Luke Altmaier, that doesn't matter. It doesn't count. The game. How does it not count? You sn- it, in live action, you drew you it twice. It was one for two for seven yards. You also I mean, fumbled the first snap of your opportunity. No, 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 no. That wasn't on the quarterback. Caleb Warren. That was on the 
Yeah, that 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 was on the center. Um, so um, that's another thing I'm watching now, seeing if Eli Acker gets a little play at center. I don't think so. Caleb Caleb is a is a good offensive lineman. Oh, he's a great I, offensive line. That's not the not. It's just a great offensive lineman. Like Laramie Tunsil is the best offensive lineman ever. Laramie Tunsil yeah, can play center, but he I mean he's he wouldn't he's not a center. It, it's a difference in being a great offensive lineman and a great center. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I had an old line coach one time tell me, uh, I put my four best on the field and the best center. That's that's what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you can ill afford terrible snaps and bad snaps and things like that. And, um, you know, so yeah, but Caleb could very well, you know, they could swap spots to be honest with you. Caleb's played guard before. That's what I'm saying. Cause the like, offensive line, it wasn't like the offensive line was all that dominant against Troy either. Now. Well, they did a good job in the, in the ground game, but oh, pass sure. protection, sure. you know, kudos to Jackson dart because, his nimbleness back there, his agility. That matters. Several- that matters. That's a good – that's a positive one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Matters. 100%. Yeah. And, um, you know, Luke, Luke has said before he's not a great athlete. He <laughs> said he throws the ball football. He said it. He said it on the episode of the season. <laughs> he, he, he said, I can throw the football really well, you know. Other than that, you know, that's it. Well, and, and Jackson Dart's athleticism is something that – almost thought it was getting, you know, plus athleticism. That was one of the strong strengths of his game was. Yeah. had a big 36 yard run. Yeah. I mean, the kid can move. It's just, can you accurately, can you not turn the ball over and accurately deliver the ball? I think if we'd have connected on Mingo in the first play and then that one pass to JJ Henry, it's a completely different discussion today. Yes. Luke Altmyer, Luke Altmyer is still starting against central Arkansas, but it's more like, all right, here's your showcase. Can you do what Jackson did? Even though it's two plays. All right, I've got, I've got a mind teaser for you right now. Oh, I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. I do it to you all the time. I deserve this. Why is a distance of 40 yards considered a measurement for football speed? Why? Don't look it up. Don't look it up. I don't know. Because short bursts, because football's played short bursts. 40 yards in the short burst? No, it's, well, I'm just saying comparatively to 100 yards, it's the length of – I don't know. I don't know. I'll tell you why. I have no problem admitting I don't know things. We looked it up one day at practice because the question came up and everybody was dumbfounded. It's because it is the average distance of a punt. So it is how fast you could get down and cover a punt. That's why it's 40 yards. Totally no useless kidding. for offensive linemen. But there yeah, you then why the heck was I embarrassing myself in high school? I had this <laughs> false step to start. They set me up and I always like, like I didn't mean to, I would just kind of step to my right and then run. It always cost me a half a tick, and and I would have this pathetic forty yard dash. But first of all, I don't care. I'm a lineman. I'm slow as shit. That's why I'm a lineman, right? And I like to eat food. But so I'm I'm having to embarrass myself in front of my friends and family with my crappy forty time for what? It meant nothing for my development as a terrible football player. Yeah, I know, I know. Fastest I ever cut was a 5'5 five five at 240 pounds. I was slow. Better than me. <laughs> I hear you. Better than me, I buddy. You. I mean, you're, it was only a tenth of a second. But still, I ran a 5'6 at 235 pounds. It's horrible. Uh, horrible. I was 240, 
five, five. But you know what? I never, I don't think I ever had to run 40 yards on a football play in my life. That's what I'm saying. If we were running 40 yards as linemen, it was chasing the running back or wide receiver to just celebrate with them for a oh, touchdown. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely so. This is ridiculous. Yeah, well. well, that is hilarious. Now I know. I did not know that. The 40-yard yeah. dash. That really contextualizes things for you, doesn't it? It makes you think, like, what are we doing? Like, that, what a bizarre way to measure speed. Yeah, uh, you got to understand, that was probably come up with in, like, 1948 or something. Yeah, you know? we just do it now, you know? And now we just do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right. it, it, well, it's really simple. Well, look, I got this question on Twitter from Trey Porter, at CRP triple I. I'm listening to the post-game podcast, Trey says, and had a question for you and Brad, but this is for you and me because it's a franchise player edition of Talk of Champions. Do you think either quarterback can reach the level of play Ole Miss needs by the Kentucky game, or will it require a full season? That's a great question. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, just from the empirical evidence we've seen so far, the Ole Miss quarterback position obviously is going to be a far stretch from what we've been used to the last two years with Matt Corral. Um, which yes is an unfair one-to-one comparison but yeah it's hard not to compare to Matt Corral but it's still unfair to these guys well well, the the sum total is the sum total period from last season to this season you know that's true so I no I look uh, there's going to be ups and downs with quarterback play this year no matter who it is Uh, both of those guys are just sophomores second year sophomores um, there's growing pains, as Lane said yesterday, and it's it, it's going to take it. Uh, and you know, interestingly enough, he brings up the Kentucky game. Kentucky's got a quarterback named Will Levis, and he's an NFL draft pick, which is crazy um, to me. I don't see yeah. it. I'm not an NFL evaluator. Far from. I'm one of y'all. Yeah, I, what I think, do I, I think, what is what is up with Will Levis? Seriously. Well, I, I think I think he's got the. Uh, the it factor. So did Drew. Don't you do that. Don't you do that. That's an inside yeah. joke. You know what? I'm, I'm yeah. going to tell y'all. Uh, I love Chuck to death. I've been with Chuck for a long time. Chuck Ronsville with the Old Man Spirit. Chuck has written a story about a player having the it factor and explained the it factor for 10 years, a decade, at least one or two a year. And now you're saying that Will Levis just has the it factor. That just makes my skin crawl. It's that episode. You brought of the it Office. up when we were talking on the phone. You brought it up. I did. So, uh, I did. It's that episode of The Office when Michael Scott says, "I love inside jokes. I'd like to be a part of one one day." So I couldn't do that to this. I family. watched. Uh, I watched an episode of The Office yesterday where Michael Scott was being roasted by his employees, and uh, he, he got left, sad. He got upset. He left, he left the warehouse crying. It was. Uh, it was pretty vicious. But uh, and, and 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 the thing of it is. He asked them to have a roast in his He asked them to roast him. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, All right, well, here's my answer to Trey's question here. What's the over-under, David, um, of win total for Ole Miss in 2022? Eight and a half? Something like that? Let's say eight and a half. I'd say eight. All right, let's say eight then. If one of these quarterbacks can reach the quarterback level of play it needs to by Kentucky, hammer the over on eight. I just think that's a real that, that's a that's a big ask in a very short amount of time from what we've seen so far. And if that one of them is ahead of the ahead of the game to reach their ceiling by Kentucky, which is October one, 
hammer the over. That means that, yes, th- this thing's about to be some fun. But if we're still talking about this going into Kentucky, that's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's a lot scary, to be honest with you, because, uh, you know, when you look at that SEC schedule, and look, we've only seen one week of football. But to be honest with you, you know, man, I hate to say this, but, you know, pretty much Vanderbilt is about the only sure win for Ole Miss. Now, there are a lot of can wins. They can beat LSU. They can beat Texas A&M. They can beat Mississippi State. They can beat Arkansas. But um, but write it in and, and marker. No, you can't do that. You can't. Yeah, and they can beat Kentucky, but but there's no guarantees. There, I mean, Kentucky's a good team. I think they're probably the number two or number three team in the East this year. Um, look, which look, is look quarterback volatility is the greatest equalizer in the SEC. Period. If you go, if you're having quarterback volatility, no matter how good the rest of your roster is, it just makes for every Saturday being a coin flip. Unless it's Vanderbilt. Yeah, well, well, in Vanderbilt, you know, they go out and destroy a bad Hawaii program, obviously. And then, uh, you know, outscore Elon. Uh, they play Wake this weekend, and I think Wake will beat them uh, for their first loss. But v- Vanderbilt's probably going three and nine. They just won their first two. So they're not that scary, I don't think. Um, You're going to beat the 50- shit out of Vanderbilt. Yeah, 50, they're 53 points better than Hawaii, but Timmy Chang and Hawaii, oh, my God. I don't know what they're doing over there, but, geez, man, that was, a, that was a decent program last year. I saw them play twice. and um, yeah, I only remember Hawaii from June Jones. I like June Jones. June Jones yeah. was the backup quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons when I was a – Wait, did you were you like a June Jones fan? Do you like have a jersey? Yeah. yeah, June. I don't have a jersey, but like June, June was the Falcons' backup quarterback. Never got in the game because they had my all-time favorite football player, Steve Barkowski, as their starting quarterback. But uh, but anyway, June was a Falcon. That's hilarious. See, one of my favorite players in baseball of all time is David Ross, who now manages the Cubs because he was the backup catcher for the Braves for so long, and I thought he was great. It's hilarious. Like the not Bruce Benedict, to. not Bruce Benedict. No, David Ross is one of my friends. Well, I guess that's Bruce. Bruce was before your your time, I guess. You got to remember, man. I was born in 1986. Okay, you were you were three, maybe two, when yeah. Bruce was still catching. Made the All Star game one year. What's the uh, What's the age of demarcation as far as becoming a fan? Can you say I'm a Braves fan? Oh yeah, I remember 1990. No, no, oh, man. When you're five, you can't appreciate it. When can you truly start to say, I am an actual fan because I live and die by this stuff? I say yeah, around 10, 10 years old, 10. Yeah, I probably hooked in really hard when I was about eight. Um, but you really start to feel and have your day but, affected. But here's the deal, though. I mean, I remember when WTBS Superstation, it was WTBS at the time, first came out on the cable systems in Mississippi. And Ted Turner, they play 162 games. God, Ted was showing 180 things a year on the Braves. All 162 games. And, 
You were having shows and stuff like that for an eight-year-old kid who had been used to just picking up the AM radio and listening to the St. Louis Cardinals every night. And I didn't have to do that anymore because of TBS. I could watch a team. I mean, it hooked me right in. Mm. I, I could still tell you the starting lineups for the whatever Braves team, man. I mean, you know, Chris Chambliss at first, Jerry Royster at second, Rafael Ramirez at short, Bob Horner at third, Bruce Benedict catcher, Claudel Washington in the outfield, Adele Murphy in right field. And then they moved him to center field. He was a catcher originally when he came up. Dale Murphy's my favorite player of all time. Outside, oh, I love of, well, yeah. favorite. He's my favorite Brave outside. Of, well, no chipper. Oh God, I'm in the weeds. My favorite oh. baseball player to ever exist is King Griffey Jr. Yeah, I was never a big fan of Griffey Jr. Oh. I mean, I admire him, but um, I remember when Chipper broke into the big leagues. I mean. I, as a matter of fact, I got several Chipper Jones rookie cards in the garage somewhere. Um, but yeah, Murph was incredible. Uh, why he retired? Why did why he retired at 398 home runs? I, I, I will I respect because he's like I don't care. But that's who he is. Though. That's kind of awesome, man. He doesn't care. He's always been like that. He was. I mean, he played on some really bad. It was it, that was when the Braves were the only thing you tuned in for was Dale back to back national league MVPs in 81 and 82. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, but, but 400 is a magic number for home runs. Dale Murphy would be in the hall of fame right now. If he had hit two more home runs, period. I, I, I mean, it's just true, but yeah. 398, you got some jerk writers out there who won't vote for a guy who, who was squeaky clean squeaky clean he's a mormon but squeaky he's a two-time clean. mvp yeah yeah gold gloves you know everything on one of the worst teams in baseball and uh a, a lot of years and um he's two home runs shy of 400 so he, he doesn't ever get enough votes and it's a shame del murphy should be in the hall of fame and i'll tell you something else to hell with everybody who's keeping pete rose out of the hall of fame we are so Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He does. Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So does Barry Bonds. So Mark. does I'm trying to think of all the steroid guys. They all deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa. Yes. That what brought baseball back after the strike? The home run chase yeah, with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. Yeah. yeah. But but how many home runs could Hank Aaron have hit were he juicing? He's the greatest hitter of all time. So okay, but, but okay, but how many home runs would Dell Murphy had hit had he he been juicing? Actually, Hank Aaron's the greatest power hitter of all time. The greatest pure eye hitter of all time is Barry Bonds. No, Ted he Williams. Was a, Barry Bonds. No comparison, Ted Williams. They were telling my story about almost meeting Chipper Jones and then freezing because I'm the biggest Braves fan. I, me and Jeff Robertson went down there because. Um, we went to speak to Seth Smith for an old Miss story for the spirit. And he was playing for the Rockies and I'm standing there on the uh, visitor side to talk to waiting to talk to Seth and chippers walking. I mean, feet from me. And I just wanted to be like, chipper, you're awesome. And all I could do was just freeze. And, oh my God. Oh, wait, wait, you, said, you said chipper. You're awesome. No, I wanted to. I was just like, I, I, and I thought I said it loud enough for him to hear me, but all I kind of like got out was, 
And so he probably <laughs> thought, oh my God, who is this yeah, kid look, over here? You know? Look, I've told, I, I think I've told you this before, but uh, my wife and I went out to Houston to watch the Braves and Astros play in a series. And Otis Nixon was playing outfield for the Braves at the time. A uh, long, tall, wiry fellow. I don't know if you remember Otis or not. Yeah. But, uh, center. but anyway, yeah. So uh, we get out to Houston and the Braves are playing like on a Friday night and it's early Friday morning. So my wife wants to go to the Galleria shopping mall. And um, off we go to the Galleria shopping mall. And I had brought three official National League baseballs with me because I planned on getting them signed. One way or the other, I was getting down to field level and I was going to get them signed. So I gave them to her. She put them in her purse. We're walking through the Galleria. The elevator door opens and out walks Otis Nixon. And on his arm is Sugar Ray Leonard's ex-wife. <laughs> and uh, I have no idea how I knew that was Sugar Ray's ex-wife, but it was. Yeah, this is a time so before the internet. Like, how did you yeah, know that? Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I'm like nudging Ashley. I said, Ashley, there's Otis, there's Otis. And she was a huge baseball fan too, Braves fan. And she's like, I know, I know. So I said, give me the ball, give me the ball. Give me a pen, give me a pen. And I step up to Otis, and nobody else has seen Otis. And the first words out of my mouth as I shoved the baseball in his face with the pen was, Otis, I'm your biggest fan. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And he said, well, well, thank you. You want <laughs> well, me to sign uh, And I said, I said, yeah. And he signed his name and he looked around and people were starting to look at us. And he was kind of cutting his eyes like, oh, my God, I hope this crowd doesn't come over here. Yeah, so all he, he can think he, is you, asshole. Yeah, yeah. He was a pretty big name at the time. But he signed my ball, walked on. I appreciated it. Met Otis Nixon in Houston. Uh, but my words were, Otis, I'm your biggest fan. Well, I had it in my brain. Oh, it reminds me of last – got to get done here. But uh, the la- it reminds me – I had in my brain, Chipper, you're, the, you're awesome, and all I could get out was, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I remember oh. the, fir- the, the first one-on-one I did, the first just exclusive Ben Garrett's getting to talk to, a prominent Ole Miss person, was Mike Bianco, um, and I was still, at, still going to school at Ole Miss. And um, I had it all set up. I was just got this one-on-one mic. And that was, you know, I, I was the biggest Ole Miss fan in the world, especially with baseball. And I go into his office and I had this whole – I mean, I'd worked on it in my brain. I workshopped it. I was going to say, Coach, I just want you to know before we get started here, I just really appreciate what you've done for Ole Miss baseball, and I'm a big fan. That's all I was going to say, you know, because I didn't know any better, right? I'm just a naive kid. And uh, you remember that old adage, don't meet your heroes? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had it out and I got sat down and very professionally said exactly what I workshopped in my brain. And he looks at me cold eyed and he goes, I'm just a baseball coach. Uh, yes, sir. Um, number one, how do you think the team's going to do this year? I mean, it was just like, there was no, Hey man, thanks. It was, I'm, I'm just a baseball coach. You know, oh. I had a long, I had a long talk with Ed Murphy one time. Uh, it was after he was a head basketball coach at Ole Miss and I'm on press row at the Gulf South Conference Tournament watching like West Alabama and Alabama Huntsville play over in Tupelo. And uh, Ed walks up and, and look, when Ed was the coach at Delta State, I was a little boy in Cleveland. And my mom would take me to the games. We would sit right behind the bench 
so she could hear Ed Murphy cuss all night and <laughs> laugh about it. I mean, because Ed in that big booming voice, hey, 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 you really, you know, and it was bad, bad language coming out of his mouth. And my mom would sit there and blush and snicker and smile and all that. So I'm sitting there on press row and Ed Murphy comes walking up and he goes, Hey man, you mind if I sit here? <laughs> and I'm like, heck no, go ahead. And, and to, to have that as my commentary during this stupid game I'm watching. And one of the things Ed said was, you know, I'm just a basketball coach. I, I literally teach kids how to throw a ball through a hoop. You know, I, I don't understand all this phenomenon around college coaches, you know, and, and to hear that grounded stuff coming from Ed Murphy, my, one of my childhood heroes, it had an effect on me. I appreciated that. But anyway, I don't chase cleats anymore. I do not. Um, I don't know. Well, that's what's I, funny I, is now Mike Bianco and I just uh, spend our press conferences together, our media appearances together, trolling each other. And uh, he was also the reason why, part of the reason why me and Emily didn't get married on July, whenever it was, like 15th or 16th, and ended up getting married on July 26th. Did I ever tell you about that one? Because this is real, no. real quick. We got to go. Okay. So going in just an innocuous media opportunity with Mike Bianco and the players. We've done millions of these. It's me and Jeff Robertson. I love Jeff to death. I do. But Jeff, he, he will share your secrets with God and everybody, you know, because he thinks we're all one big happy family. And me and Emily had been talking about this. She wanted to get married on July or June 15th or 16th. And I'm like, look, Ole Miss could be in Omaha. But at that time, let's be honest. Let's be honest. We all knew Ole Miss wasn't going to get to Omaha because of the bad luck. Now they're national champions. It's insane. Yeah, but you, were a big, you were a big fan, so go ahead. Yeah, so back then I'm like, all right, Jeff, I can't, I can't do this. I cannot get married on June 15th or 16th. I got to do the 26th if Ole Miss makes it to Omaha and makes a run, blah, 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 blah. Mike comes walking out of the locker room, and Jeff goes, hey, Mike, come here. This, this, ben, tell him what's happening. I'm like, no, no. Ben, tell him. So I told him. I went, all right, look, here's the deal. He looks at me cold again, as if I was still that young, impressionable 20-year-old who was just wanting to meet one of his heroes. And he said, Ben, are we not going to make it to Omaha in the College World Series? I wanted to be like, well, if history, you know, recent history tells us anything, hell no. Instead, I went, you're right, Mike. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And guess when we got married? June 26th. And to this day, Emily goes, I wanted to get married on June 15th or 16th or whenever it was. <laughs> to this day, we just celebrated our 12th anniversary. And on our 12th anniversary, hey, remember when we were going to get married on June 15th, 16th? Man, That's we just put God. 28 years in the books on August 27th. Um, yeah, well, I'm not Jewish, but thank you. Well, um, not either, but it's and, still fun to say. I do like matzo balls, though, but that's a story for another day. Um, you know, I got married on the opening day of college football season, August 27th, 1994. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Ole Miss was playing VMI that, that day. Hey, you, it's a little I, bit, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> I know, but I'm sneaking off listening to it on an AM radio that I plugged in in the back of the church. And I'm like, I missed the game for the ceremony. Then I go right back to the game. 
it may not have been VMI, but it was somebody, I think it was VMI though, the cadets. And, uh, you know, I don't think I've ever told my wife what I was doing that day. Well, if she listens to the podcast, she's going to find out. We're way, way off topic. We ended at quarterbacks some 20 minutes ago, and here we are. It was fun. I'll see you soon. Howdy, howdy, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.